Welcome to Theology Matters, a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. This podcast is a ministry of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. I am your host, Pastor Nick Boothman. With me today is Pastor Jay Riggleman. He's the senior pastor of Bible Baptist Church of Sodus. Welcome, Pastor Jay. Thanks, Nick. It's good to be with you this morning. Our topic today is this. Are people born innocent or guilty? Many people in our churches and outside of our churches believe that babies are born innocent. They're not born sinners, but they become sinners later in life. And in a recent survey we both read of about 3,000 people, 70% said that we are born innocent in the eyes of God. And this includes about 60% of self-proclaimed evangelicals who say we are born with a clean slate. So Pastor Jay, here's the question. So my sweet, precious, seemingly innocent little girl Sophie, she turns 10 months today as we're recording this. So she looks so sweet and innocent. She's daddy's little girl. Seems like she can't do anything wrong. So my sweet little Sophie, was she born a sinner or does she become a sinner the first time she does something wrong? Well, Nick, that's a great question. And I want to start by letting our listeners know that I personally know Sophie as well. And uh, my wife and I have had the opportunity to watch Sophie. She is very sweet. I've also uh, heard Sophie's uh, cries at times, and, and they are quite loud, and she, uh, she likes to get people's attention at times. But, Nick, I, I just have to tell you, uh, I'm sorry, but based on the truth of God's Word, it identifies sweet Sophie as a born sinner. In other words, she's a viper in a diaper. <laughs> R.C. Sproul once said that we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. So what we're talking about here is the theology or doctrine of sin. And here are some important theological truths to consider. First of all, original sin. Original sin does not refer to Adam's first sin, but rather refers to the nature of sin with which we are born. In other words, our sin reflects our sin nature. Sin is inherent in the human condition. We are not simply born into a sinful world. We are born with an inclination towards sin. Uh, Jonathan Edwards kind of put it this way, For if all mankind, as soon as they are ever capable of reflecting and knowing their own moral state, find themselves wicked, this proves that they are wicked by nature. And the Bible really supports the concept of original sin. I just want to share a few verses related to that. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21 this is after um, the flood and, and, and God just kind of uh, reconnecting with Noah and, and his family. It says, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Wow. And then Job fifteen fourteen, it reads, What are mortals that they could be pure? And those born of women, that they could be righteous, really doesn't paint a very uh, good picture as it relates to us um, when we're born. Uh, The psalmist, Psalm David, writes in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Psalm 58, 3, Even from birth the wicked go astray from the womb, they are wayward, spreading lies. And then Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
So these are just a few verses that really underline and, and, and just describe this idea of original sin as it relates to our condition. But there's another important uh, theological term uh, related to this topic, and that's imputed sin. And I want to share a couple definitions um, that I found uh, on a website called Got Questions. Imputed sin is Adam's guilt attributed to or credited to us, and all humans are counted as having sinned in Adam and thus deserving the same punishment for sin as Adam. Imputed sin affects our standing before God. We are guilty, condemned, whereas original sin affects our character. We're morally ruined. Both original and imputed sin make us subject to God's judgment. And again, a couple verses regarding imputed sin. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And then Romans 5, uh, verse 12, and then verse 18, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, so there, there's a consequence, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. So even Sophie uh, was born with a sin nature, and it also is under the, uh, the wrath of God because of imputed sin, as sweet and innocent as she may seem. It's going to break Sophie's little heart when I tell her the uh, bad news, but I, I think that is what the Bible says. And I know you just gave a lot of information, and it's, it's all really good. Uh, maybe for some of our listeners, it's the first time they're hearing these terms, uh, original sin, imputed sin. Can you kind of uh, break it down, maybe a sentence or two, and just summarize what you said about original sin and then a sentence or two about imputed sin? Yeah, I can, I can try to do that because I know this is a lot and uh, it's just uh, something that we have to kind of wrestle with. It's really important theologically. First of all, original sin, and here's just a couple sentences. First of all, original sin is the sin that marks every person from birth in the form of a heart inclined to sin before committing any actual sin. That means every person is born with a sin nature and it is original in that we have it from the beginning of our existence as persons, which means we don't become sinners when we sin. We are born sinners. That's the idea of original sin. And then imputed sin is the doctrine that Adam's sin resulted not only in us having a sin nature at birth, that, but also that we're guilty before God and deserving of punishment. And, and Adam was found guilty because he sinned, and his guilt and punishment belong to us as well. And I, I just want to say something because, especially as it relates to imputed sin, some people think, that's just not, that's not fair. Why am I held responsible for what Adam did? And I wanted to share just uh, an illustration that I read from uh, Shay Lynn, who is a Christian rapper and church planner, as he tried to explain the idea of imputed sin and, and illustrate kind of objections that people may have, uh, where they may say, that's not fair that I'm guilty in Adam. And one way he explains that is that we, we typically understand the idea of having representatives uh, from our country like in other embassies around the world uh, where they represent us in a foreign land. 
Uh, and, and, and it would be kind of, it wouldn't make any sense if we say it's not fair for this guy to represent me because I'm not there. We understand that that principle um, is uh, valid and we expect that person to represent us, um, represent the United States in the other country. Um, also, he talks about the idea of sports. If you're on a football team and one guy commits a penalty, the whole team is going to go back 10 yards. Uh, the guy who didn't commit the foul doesn't say, wait a second, Mr. Referee, that's unfair. No, you're, you're on the same team. And he goes on to say it's the same thing with Adam. God determined that we would all be on Adam's team because we're born through the line of Adam. And once Adam committed the foul, then we get penalized for it. And he also goes on to say this, which I love, but there's some good news. The flip side of that is that we're on Christ's team. Those who place their trust in Christ are on Christ's team, and we, we, we receive the points that he scored. We were on the bench. We didn't even get in the game. Christ scored the points, and then we win as a team. And no one's ever said, wait a second, it's not fair that Christ died in my place. What's up with that? Uh, we accept that. We, we, we want that. We understand that. Well, it goes the same way in the relationship to Adam and imputed sin. That's really good. So uh, just so I'm understanding it. So original sin really deals with the behavior. We're all sinners from birth. We all have that sinful nature. And then imputed sin is more the sentence. We're guilty because of Adam's sin and he represented us. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Because I think those two things are really important because if we focus just on original sin, there is that kind of idea that I know I'm a sinner, but maybe I can make things the best they can be. Um, but if I'm under uh, uh, ju the judgment of God, I, I need somebody else to help me. Very good. So let's move into some application. Why does this matter if we're born sinners or if we become sinners the first time we sin? Isn't the end product kind of the same? <laughs> well, the, the end product is the same, but the idea is that... Um, the way that we deal with that product or the end result uh, is really kind of what comes into this question or these questions. And I want to start by answering this question with a question that I read that I thought was really helpful. If humanity is not born in sin, wouldn't we expect there to be some people who have beaten the odds and never sinned? So does it really matter if we're born sinners or not? Well, yeah, because if there's that, somehow that idea that it's possible that someone is not born in sin, then the odds would say there'd be somebody out there who's pretty good. And unfortunately, that leaves um, this kind of thinking out there that we want to deal with. It seems to leave the door open for some relative goodness inherent in people, and perhaps that we bring something to the salvation message table, and we do not. Uh, and this thinking also uh, matters because it downplays the doctrine of original sin. And when we do that, it downplays the effects of sin by making some sin appear to be uh, worse than others or someone being a worse sinner than someone else and making heaven or salvation works-based. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but that, that's what I'm saying. If we, if we kind of downplay this whole idea of our imputed sin and our original sin, I think there are some people who just go, yeah, I know I've done some things wrong, but then I look at someone else or I look at this person from history and they were really bad, so I, I know they're in trouble, but I think I'm going to be okay. Absolutely. So there's a big theological aspect in this. If we think babies are born with a clean slate, 
we can think maybe we're better than we actually are, and also we can downplay the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And uh, just to kind of build off the application, I've, I've really seen this belief system that we're born with a clean slate affect the way we parents raise our kids. And here's kind of the, the thought process behind that. So if I believe my kids are born with a clean slate— then maybe I think I can make the perfect environment for them and they'll turn out to be good humans. So I'll give them the best education. I'll surround them with the perfect influences. I'll protect them from all the bad stuff out in the world. And the world won't corrupt their clean slate. Because if you think the problem is out there, the problem's in the world, the world's going to corrupt me and my kids, not inside of you, like what you're talking about, the sin nature, then your solution is to protect your child from the bad influences and never focus on the sin in your heart. And don't get me wrong, I think there's biblical wisdom in surrounding our kids with good shaping influences. The book of Proverbs tells us that. But we're totally off if we think that we can surround our kids with a perfect environment and they'll end up perfect because all children have a sin nature from birth, like you mentioned. So we have to minister to our kids' hearts, not just change their environment and expect everything to be okay. Absolutely, yeah, and <laughs> that's really good. Because do, do we really think that just changing the outside is going to change the inside? It, it's not going to happen. And we can also, as I think Christian parents, uh, be caught up in trying to just change behavior and thinking that's, gonna, that's really going to kind of push them towards God. And I understand the importance of, you know, discipline and behavior and all those kind of things. But really what's going to push them towards God, in my opinion, would be not behavior modification, but helping them to understand that not only ourselves, but them, they are depraved, lost sinners in need of Jesus Christ because of their willful disobedience against God. And, and, and that's a heart problem. That's not a behavior uh, problem. Uh, just that's a symptom of that. And so we need to make sure we don't overlook that. And it's related to the original sin, the imputed sin. Yeah, and that's really good. And uh, kind of the heart behind this whole podcast is theology matters, but also applying it to everyday life. So we're trying to make everybody see that these theological truths really does affect our thinking and our behavior. So it's not just this in the air head knowledge of here's a systematic theology uh, lesson, but this actually affects the way we do life, we take care of our kids, and how we think about salvation in the cross. Absolutely. And uh, I just, something came to mind as you were talking about that, working with different parents and uh, I know even at our church we're offering a, a class on shepherding a child's heart. It's really good stuff. But just helping parents to keep in mind, especially if they have uh, uh, several children, you may have a few of your children that are relatively compliant. You know, they like to keep the rules and everything, and, and that's great. Maybe you need a few of those in the mix with, with other kids that you have that maybe push the envelope. But both of those types of kids, the compliant and the ones that kind of push back a little bit more, they're both in desperate need of a Savior. They're both uh, sinners with a sin nature, and even if it's not expressed as explicitly as, as another one, please don't think your kids are okay because they're compliant. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely. Some of our listeners, maybe at this point, might be thinking, okay, you're telling me that 
my child is not born with a clean slate. They're born sinners with a sin nature, imputed sin. So is there any hope for maybe a baby or a child who passes away? I mean, this is, we understand this is a very sensitive topic and our heart goes out to anybody who's experienced this. And we just kind of want to work through this because I think some people are thinking these things and, and wrestling with these things. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, Nick, um, this is a very uh, sensitive area and one where, where pastors have uh, struggled with navigating it theologically, but also with compassion. And, and I have done that as well and continue to work through those, uh, those kind of situations. I do think that we have a reason for hope, and I do think we can offer hope for those who have had a baby or child pass away. And for me, this hope covers um, pre-born and born babies who have died. And this would include uh, even things like abortion, stillbirths, miscarriages, and the death, death of an infant or a child. And I want to start by saying, although the, the Bible doesn't specifically address the death of pre-born babies, infants, and children, I do come to my conclusions uh, based on some things that I see uh, in the scriptures and, 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 and just topically and, and even some principles that are being taught. And I want to share two. And before I share these two, I also want our listeners to know that I, I, I do think there are other things that come into the conversation regarding this question that you've asked. But I'm going to try to focus my two responses uh, as related to the original sin um, an imputed sin topic that we're dealing with. So uh, there's other things that would come in, but here, here's the first thing. My understanding of the character of God reveals him as a God of justice who must punish sin and sinners, but also as a God of grace and mercy who can apply the sacrifice of Jesus to the preborn and infants who pass away. And I also believe the Bible teaches he can do this without violating his holiness or his compassion, and that their salvation is based not on any inherent goodness in them, but on the gracious, saving nature of God. I believe that God sovereignly and graciously saves preborn babies and infants that die. Secondly, I notice where Jesus instructed his disciples in Matthew 19 that they should permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And the children, that word for children that's used there is a, is a word that could include infants. And, and many um, you know, scholars, commentaries believe that the, some of the children that were brought to Jesus were in fact uh, infants. And, and Jesus describes that the kingdom of God, God belongs to such as these. So I think it's not too far of a, a stretch to say that I believe that Jesus uh, even himself would graciously and freely receive all those who die in infancy, not on the basis of their innocence or worthiness, but by his grace made theirs through the atonement he purchased on the cross. So those are just a couple uh, ways that I would kind of offer that hope to those who uh, lose a child or um, a, a, an infant or even a preborn uh, child to death. Some people have uh, mentioned or built a case that there might be a certain age, maybe an age cutoff. Some people call it the age of accountability and Different ages are thrown out there, you know, three, four, some even up to 11 or 12. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I, I'm not real comfortable for myself with the uh, phrase age of accountability. I don't think the Bible really clearly teaches that. I really prefer to share with people what I call the age of discernment, where the Bible talks about uh, when a person is, has the, uh, it comes to the age, not the age, but the, the ability to discern right from wrong. Uh, there's a couple passages that talk about uh, people that didn't know, and it really seems referring to young people that didn't know uh, right from wrong. I think uh, even in Nineveh, the, those that didn't know from their right, from their left. Uh, and that really, I think, was referring to like babies. And, and so I, I'm, I'm more comfortable with the idea of age of discernment, where somebody uh, really is kind of understanding uh, their, their sinful condition before God, understand right from wrong, which means it can't really be assigned a numerical age, because there may be others who are dealing with some, maybe some... Uh, disabilities are the things that don't really allow them to fully understand um, the sin um, concept and, and what sin is all about. Um, so I'm, I wouldn't really land on a numerical age. Yeah, thank you for engaging in this discussion. Uh, and again, we, we acknowledge that this is very difficult. Um, especially for someone who's gone through this or has experienced this. But it's also helpful to think about because I think if you have gone through this, this these thoughts have gone through your mind. Um, and we do think, like Pastor Jay has said, there is hope from Scripture that children who uh, pass before they can make a profession of faith are covered by God's grace, and that gives a lot of hope and comfort to uh, families. So that is all the questions we have today on Theology Matters, a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. And thank you again, Pastor Jay, for dealing with this helpful but very difficult topic. And we hope to, that you will join us next time for our topic, The Sanctity of Life. God bless.